the bloody Falcons. The Jets went to London and seemed to still be asleep in the first half. Zach Wilson had a bad, bad day. And Gang Green lost 27-20, falling to 1-4 on this lowly season thus far. What is going wrong with the Jets early in game? Should fans be concerned with the rookie QB and the offensive struggles? We'll chat about the state of the team heading into their bye week with the post Mark Canizero. Have some tea and crumpets and commiserate with us next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. It's Jake Brown alongside Brian Costello across the pond. I'm here in Astoria, Queens. Cause is over in London. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, write a nice review. Subscribe to Post Sports Plus. First 30 days free. Mark Canizero will join us for the first time this season in a little bit. But Cause Zach Wilson progressed, and then he regressed when he went over to the other side of the country. And really the story with this one, Jets lose again, 27-20, fall to 1-4 in the season, slow starts. 75-13, they've been outscored in the first half. They've been outscored 30 to nothing in the first quarter of this season. They're just doing things too late in the game. You know, if a few of these games, they've put up some magic in the fourth quarter, but it's just been too late. And something's got to be said, Kaz, for these brutal starts. You can't not score in the first quarter ever and expect to win football games. Yeah, Jake, uh, 79 total yards through five games in the first quarter. So they're averaging 15.8 yards in the first quarter. Like, you just can't, you can't win like that. And they're playing from behind. They're always playing from behind. You know, they've had they had a lead in the Titans game for a little while, and that's it. Every everything else has been trailing. And when you're playing from behind, that affects your play calling on both offense and defense. And it affects how the other team attacks you. Once the Falcons are up 17-0, they can be a lot more aggressive on defense, Jake. They, they're, they're not worried if they give up a big play, like, all right, where's he still out of lead? So it just changes everything. They have to figure out a way to start fast. And I think that's all they're going to be doing during this bye week, Jake, is trying to figure it out. And it's just so weird to me because team script, you know, we all know the team script the first 15 plays or whatever, right? So they practice those plays over and over and over. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they go over those plays. Those That should be the best series you play and like if you know if it doesn't happen in one game okay but five straight games now to have nothing out of these drives is just crazy because even you know you think about the adam gase offense jake plenty of things to rip adam gase's offense about they actually were pretty good at the beginning of games then they would fade they were the opposite of this offense so they have to figure this out um you know the guys say it's not preparation they feel prepared they're excited for the game excited for the game plan but it's just not happening jake they, they just look they, it looks terrible and it looks like you know they look like they were out coached today early now i thought the adjustments were good and they came back but early on the falcons own them the game plan's got to change i mean you got to mix it up do something different in the first quarter you know put your socks on different before the game eat something different before the game i don't know because it ain't working and you know there's encouraging signs that happen later on which make it that much more frustrating and it's hard to knock the defense in the first half when they're on the field cause so much you know we talk about time of possession 30 nearly 36 minutes to 24 
The plays were 75 to 52. The Falcons just dominated the stats. I mean, the Jets were lucky to finish within seven. Obviously, it took that garbage time field goal, which I'm, I know excited a lot of over betters. I stayed away from betting on this game, but that did hit the over. But the yards, 450 to 230. You know, Matt Ryan, 342 to Zach Wilson's 192, which again, a lot of garbage time yards. The rushing, everything favored the Falcons across the stats, across the game. It was a rough watch. I mean, the first half, I you know, I, I was out Saturday night, so I was in Struggle City on Sunday morning, and I was struggling even more trying to get through that first half. It was a rough watch. The game felt over. It was nice to see them show some life, and, uh, you know, the story of Sunday in football was missed extra points. Amendola misses an extra point, but, I mean, there's encouraging signs. You forced two fumbles. You forced two turnovers. We talked about on the last show the defense has got to start doing that but that also tells you without those two fumbles this game could have been you know a three touchdown game because they were i think in the red zone for either both or one of them they were and the other they were in field goal range yeah here's the thing jake i get what you're saying defense is on the field a long time they were on the field a long time last week 100 snaps against the titans those guys are probably dragging however the falcons are not a good team and the falcons did not have their top two wide receivers with ridley and gage out so you know when you looked at it coming into this game you're like okay what are the falcons going to do they're going to give the ball to Cordell patterson a lot they're going to throw try to throw to kyle pitts a lot you know if, if i know that and you know that robert sala knew that and jeff Ulbrich knew that they had to come out of this game in the beginning of this game and make sure those two guys did not kill them right make matt ryan go to anyone else and if one of these other receivers we've never heard of has a big game that's so be it that's football but it's coaching when it's you can see it coming and it happens. And they could they did nothing early on against Pitts and Patterson. Now they adjusted. They did a good job adjusting. But Arthur Smith had it dialed up early on and really beat them. And you know, I the defense has been good this year, but that was not a good performance uh, on Sunday. Uh, they just you know they they got killed early by those two guys and. You know, yes, they came back and made the game, but the Falcons are the Falcons for a reason. <laughs> you know, it was like I was walking out with the Orlando Ledbetter, who's covered the Falcons forever for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And he said, oh, he's like, the Falcons tried to be the Falcons and blow that game, right? That's what they're known for is blowing leads. And they blew a lead last week against Washington. We all remember the Super Bowl. It's funny, the last time they were in London, they blew a lead against the Lions. So they tried but they, they couldn't quite do it. And um, the other thing I would say on the defense, Jake, is things did turn around and the Jets cut it to three. They needed one more stop. And Matt Ryan went right down the field on them and two big third down conversions, one a third and 13, scores the touchdown and puts the game away. So I, I, you know, the offense is still the number one problem with this team, but the defense doesn't get off scot-free in this one either. Yeah, and look, the offense, we fought, we had a Denzel Mims sighting. It was like a miracle. Yeah. It leads to a touchdown. I mean, just find him. Get him the ball. I know you were excited when he got the ball, but once again, doesn't get it enough. I mean, this poor guy just can't get enough targets, guys. Yeah, so, uh, three targets, I think, two catches, right? Because there's one that sailed over his head to the sideline, and he had the two catches. Yeah, and now there's... I mean, they had six receivers active for this game, Jake, which is not usual, you know, and I don't know if they can keep doing that. You know, that at some point, the numbers are going to have to come down. And if Jeff Smith comes back, what happens? You know, we heard that he's the greatest special teams player in the history of the NFL when they were talking about him a few weeks ago. So what happens then? But yeah, Mims produced when they threw to him, you know, two catches. And the one was a huge catch on that drive, like you said. So, you know, we'll, maybe that Mims story will go away for a little while, but uh, I'm not sure. Just, just find him deep. I mean, they finally were throwing it deep late in the game, and it was fun to watch. I mean, Wilson, I mean, I was like, where was this for this first? 
first, you know, two quarters. And it was set up by the, you know, the Tevin Coleman kick return in the second half that got him going. But it, it seems like they, they wait too long to get the action. Well, well, watching in the stadium, they called some shot plays. And he looked downfield and it was covered. And then he went underneath. There were a few of those where he took, and that's what they want him to do. And he took underneath. He didn't force the throws. So they, they called them. You could see it. Um, and you could see him looking downfield on some of them and just, it wasn't there. So you got to give the Falcons some credit. They play a deep cover too, which it's hard to throw deep on that, that defense. But some of the play calls just made me scratch my head. Second and five and you throw it and they kind of had some momentum and he throws it six yards behind the line of scrimmage to Jameson Crowder who gets blown up. Uh, that one drove me crazy. And then, but a lot of this is on Zach too, Jake and, you know, you told you talked about his throwing deep. How about you complete a pass when Crowder's out wide open in the flat, like, and just hit him, and that would be that would have been a huge gain in the red zone. Might have been a touchdown. There was so much room for him to run. Then he hits Morgan Moses in the back of the head with the ball on the screen. You know, his his throws, his accuracy is troubling sometimes. Uh, and Salah said it's fundamentals, and he's you know he's not doing some things right, but they got to work on that too and, and get that fixed. Yeah, I mean he's got to complete the boring plays. You play play boring football. Well, you got to complete the screens, the guys wide open, the two yard passes, all these dumb balls. You got to complete those, and when those don't work out, you're setting yourself up for disaster. It's frustrating because I think a lot of Jets fans came into this week so hyped up about what they saw. They said, you know what, we got the Falcons on the schedule. Too, too hyped up, Jake. Too hyped. Too hyped. Yeah, I mean it might have just was, been the tight being terrible well well that was a very 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 weird game that they won against the titans they i think we talked about last week the titans had 33 more plays than the jets like and they didn't turn the ball over and the jets still won that was a very weird game it's like the odds of winning that game are, are so small so i think people got a little too excited from that and you know zach made two great deep throws in that game and he made some other good throws but it wasn't like the offense was rolling in that game like i think people wanted to believe um after that uh so you know and we saw that on Sunday against the Falcons and now they get a week off and and then the Patriots and, and the, you know, and the Bengals. And so they've got some games coming up where they're going to get tested again. Yeah, and, you know, we said the secondary is going to struggle against good quarter. I mean, I put Matt Ryan in a pretty good, you know, category. I know he didn't have his top two receivers, but I guess you put Tannehill in that category and, and they won that game. But this was a real test against, I mean, I'd call him a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Matt Ryan, and, you know, he exposed yeah, that second. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he's a good quarterback, and he's a veteran quarterback, Jake. And when, you know, you give him time to prepare and he can – I think what they saw against Tannehill last week with the seven sacks probably made Matt Ryan and, and Arthur Smith say, okay, we are getting the ball out fast. And he did. And it's something, Jake, I was, I was thinking about this, where, where we were, like this This is my favorite stadium I've ever been to. It was unbelievable. And the press, it's not really a press box in England. It's uh, you're outside. We're in the stands. And we were low. Like it was incredible. Like they, that they don't sell these tickets for a lot of money and they give them to the press here. It's just crazy. So we were low and you, it's just a different view of the game. And you could see like Matt Ryan would throw the ball, Jake, and I wouldn't know who he's throwing to because that guy hadn't really emerged yet. And all of a sudden he would emerge and you're like, oh, he threw that guy open. And he anticipated like the anticipation was incredible. And that's something you never see with Zach Wilson right now. He, he doesn't anticipate. And that's what happened on his interception. You could see that developing. He didn't anticipate it quick enough. And then when he threw it, it was too late. 
and the guy picked it off. So Matt Ryan, I, don't, I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame, but I, I think he's a very good quarterback and a very smart veteran quarterback who, you know, they knew they had to get the ball out quick and the Jets had no sacks in this game. They had eight quarterback hits, but no sacks because Ryan was just getting rid of the ball so quickly. And he completed all the boring plays and those dump offs. He did all the little things right to get this game done. One and four, 27-20, bye week coming up before the Jets will take on the Patriots in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium. Well, joining us next to talk about London, Mims, Jets, everything is Mark Canizaro of the New York Post right here on Gangs All Year. All right, joining us now on Gangzel here for the first time this season is friend of the program, Mark Canizero. He's been following the sports scene in New York, nationally golf, football, baseball, basketball, curling, everything in between. Uh, follow Mark Canizero on Twitter at NYPost underscore Canizero. Mark, you covered it from home. Have you been to London? Have you had a London football experience? Uh, I have, I've had a London football experience in the sense of their football, which is soccer, but not uh, American football, Jake. But yes, I've been to London a number of times. And uh, this particular game, because of the COVID restrictions and whatnot, we obviously just had cause there uh, this week because of access wasn't ideal. Cause, break it down. Tell it, you, you know, you said the food wasn't going to be great. You just said the food was good. It was so much better. What'd you eat? I, yeah, so I got an email from Chris Russell, Jake, who's a loyal listener in the UK here. And he was all over me for my uh, saying I didn't really love the food the last time I came here. So let me clarify what I meant because he had a good point. The international food here is unbelievable. Like they have food from everywhere. Every type of food you could ever want, they have here. I had Lebanese food. I've had Indian food here. I've had Italian food here. What I'm not crazy about is the English food, like fish and chips. I can do fish and chips one night. I did it Thursday night. I don't want fish and chips every day. I don't know about can. I I just can't do that every day. And as we know, my physician does listen to this podcast, so I really couldn't do it on this trip. Dr. Corleone. So so the, the international food is unbelievable here as good as it gets so that i had great great food here and that was awesome i don't know how you feel can about london now you've just pissed off everybody in england cause uh <laughs> the the indians and lebanese that are in in england maybe are happy with you but uh yes so you didn't really wrangle yourself out of your out of your your british listener or reader very well with that no he did he was he said to me he goes we've invaded every country in the world that we have their we all we brought all their food here it's great yeah. And he's best right. Indian he, food. The best Indian food you can get. And the, and I had Lebanese food, which I don't think I've had before. And it was phenomenal. I had it twice. Yeah. It was and so we good. also said the stadium name wrong. It's Tot, Tottenham. 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 Yeah, I was informed I was saying it wrong. And I'm sure Can knows that because he's a big Premier League guy. But I, I am not a fan of the English football. So And, and the, the atmosphere was great, right? You, you, oh, were, you were tweeting that it was electric. Yeah, Unbelievable atmosphere. You know, they all sang God Save the Queen at the beginning of the game. I don't know how much they showed on TV. And then they did the Star Spangled Banner. The singer was at the top of the – she was on the roof of the stadium. And it was just like – it was ridiculous. And it, it was hopping. I had vertigo watching that woman do that. I mean, that was – I was like, is she, is she attacked up there or something like that? I mean, that was – The nicest stadium I've ever been to. It was um, – like, this stadium was ridiculous how nice it is. I mean, they spent a lot of money. 
but it, it is it's crazy how nice it is. I was still opening my eyes when the national anthem was was coming on that early in the morning. But you know, you were in America watching Ken, and you know, we were talking about in the open. Zach Wilson is progression, regression, progression, regression. Well, it was regression on Sunday. Uh, he didn't make a lot of the simple throws he's got to make. He, you know, I don't put all the blame on him, but it was not a good game for him. No, it wasn't a good game. It wasn't a well coached game either. I didn't think Cos uh, and Jake either, but uh, on either side of the ball, I thought both sides had bad had a bad game, but. Zach continues to have problems with the underneath stuff, you know, the the shorter to mid-level throws, you know, and I, I thought the Falcons defense did a very good job. I, frankly, they outcoached Mike LaFleur, in my opinion, because they kept Zach in the pocket. They they played a lot of two, you know, two safety deep, kind of forced him to not look down the field, which is where he's had some success. That's where he had his success last week against the Titans, obviously. So I thought they did a really good job of kind of hemming him in a little bit, making him throw balls underneath, which he's not, you know, he just doesn't doesn't have the right pace. He's not leading the guys. He's throwing the ball behind them. He's throwing in the dirt a little bit. And, you know, he needs to alleviate that. Uh, either that or LaFleur is going to have to find a better way, you know, to do something. I, I mentioned a cause we talked on the phone a little bit earlier. I thought it's cruelly ironic that Adam Gase, who's reviled around these parts for his offensive inconsistencies and issues before he was fired, was like an, a, an offensive savant with his scripted plays early in games that's the only time his offense ever played well and I wonder I think I mentioned in my column for tomorrow it, it looks like LaFleur is, is scripting his plays in the dark for these last <laughs> four or five weeks because you know I mean they're you know they've got zero points in the first quarter they have five first downs in the entire season of the fourth quarter so far through five games so that's just they got to do something about that and I think the, it comes down to coaching they're going to have to kind of do something to simplify it a little bit for for Zach because it's not working I've never seen anything like it Cam like the beginning of games, like, you know, we talk, like you talk about scripting plays, they practice these plays over and over and over again. Like that should be the best series of the game. And, you know, it's not always going to be the defense, the defense is out there. They're, they're coming in with a good game plan too, but for it to not to never work, it's just so strange and three and out and three and out, three and out, three and out. It's like, you know, they're not even, it's not even get 30 yards and punt it's three and out. Like it, it just looks terrible. I mean, listen, um, they went they went three and out twice and threw an interception. And by, yeah. by the time those three series were done, they were down seventeen nothing already. Yes. So you, you just can't. As Cos mentioned, and as as Zach mentioned before, it's not even about scoring on your first drive. It's about moving the field position a little bit and giving yeah. and keeping your defense on the sideline a little bit. So you, you, listen, everybody, you know, we all kind of knew this was going to be a grind of a learning process, and it's not just for Zach Wilson. It's for it's for Mike Lafleur as well. I mean, this is the first time he's scripting plays, you know, for as an offensive coordinator. And, you know, they need to find some answers during this bye week uh, because they can't come out and just do the same thing. And, you know, teams are going to see, obviously, what teams have been doing to the Jets, you know, and, and certainly what Atlanta did. And they're going to do the same thing. I mean, you know, not that, not that Bill Belichick needs any help, which is the next opponent for, you know, for the Jets. Yeah, they, they need to figure something out, simplify it. I don't have, you know, I'm not an expert on all the answers, but as Kaz said, this is highly unusual. Most teams have their both best success when they, when they script these plays offensively and then it becomes an adjustment cat and mouse game you know, the Jets aren't even getting to that point offensively and LaFleur's gotta you know we talk about it every episode the Denzel Mims saga can I mean he gets two targets but you know he they score a touchdown on the on the drive that he actually had a catch so what's going on there are we gonna see him more involved after the bye week maybe learn some special teams next week and get, a, <laughs> get him more in the rotation the week after nobody really knows myself cause you know I mean only LaFleur and Sala know what's going on with this guy I mean Beckton tweeted unleash Mims you got Makai Beckton. Oh, calling the plays for him. You know, I'm I was sure they, I'm sure they love that, Jake. 
I'm sure I, was, yeah, I, was, I was at the facility on Friday and we specifically uh, asked Thursday, Thursday, uh, Thursday, right? I'm sorry, yeah, Thursday, Thursday before the Jets went, went to yeah. uh, went to London. And I, you know, we specifically asked LaFleur, is this a disciplinary thing? What's going on? What, why? And, you know, they just keep giving us these vanilla answers like, no, it's not discipline. And they're not giving us any specific stuff. We've made a lot of assumptions that he's not a good route runner and all that kind of thing. But Bottom line is he's caught three passes for what seventy something yards or whatever it is. He is catching the ball when they're throwing it to him. They just don't throw it to him that much. They don't play him that much. So I do think they need to do something more with him. But again, I mean, this is not the biggest problem for the Jets. You know, this is not why they're zero for the first quarter. This is just part of you know the issue that's taking place. I don't have an answer for it, but I, I don't. I, I do think that they need to figure a way to, to, to incorporate him more in because he's obviously a skilled player and. When we've seen him have the ball thrown to him, he's made plays for pretty good yardage, even though the first catch he made was on a broken play, you know, in the in the opener. But whatever, he made he made the catch, right? So, I mean, listen, I mean, Corey Davis has more drops than he's had in the last two years, I think, already this year. So, uh, at least certainly than he had all of last year, anyway. So, you know, I mean, there's there are other issues there than than Mims, but they do need to figure out how to incorporate him in. I'll give you one Mims thing I noticed, Jake. And I think this might help people understand a little bit. I don't think it, he can say it's discipline. Like, it's not like he's not going to meetings or something like that. But I, like we were sitting right behind the Jets sideline. I was like probably 20 rows up from the Jets sideline. So we had a good view of everything on the sideline. And at one point I noticed after an offensive series, you know, the position groups break off into different sections on the bench. And the position coach comes over and goes over things with them. So the receivers were all sitting in one area. Denzel Mims is 50 feet away chatting with somebody now he probably wasn't in on that series because he didn't play much so his argument is probably hey i wasn't even in why do i have to listen but you see other guys kenny yaboa who's a tight end who didn't you know was active for the first time he's standing behind the bench with the tight ends listening to everything now that might be like false hustle <laughs> you know but i think the coaches want to see that from mims i think they, they i think they'd rather see him sitting there listening and involved and he's off in the distance so it's not like he's committing felonies jake that's a misdemeanor in my eyes and that's something that probably irritates coaches is like why isn't he more involved here on the sideline right now now cause let me jump in for a sec because i on thursday we had mims uh, first time he'd spoken since training camp you know his it's interesting what you just said there your observation today because you know and obviously mims as all of these guys are you know is is uh debriefed by the media relations staff ad nauseum behind closed doors before he comes in. But his theme to what he spoke to us about and repeated on constantly was how much, hey, listen, if I'm not playing, I'm just going to be there to support my guys, you know, blah, blah. Well, what Kaz just mentioned does not sound like he's backing up what he said on Thursday. Because if he's down, if he's halfway down the sideline while the rest of the offense and his, the rest of his position group is huddled, that's not really what I'm seeing. You know, and I'm, I'm not seeing that, that as backup. I obviously didn't notice it on television. And I've even noticed body language at practice. Like he's the last guy in the drill, you know, like just silly. Like it's, it's not, again, it's not crazy stuff. So that's why like everyone's like, what's going on? What did he do? What did he do? It's, he's not, he didn't do something that like broke a rule or anything. I just think they coaches want to see a little bit more from him 
and that stuff. But enough about Denzel Mims. Like Ken said, he's on. He's far down the list on problems in this team. Ken, uh, you know, do you think this turns around? Is it? Is this the Jets? Are they going to continue? Because listen, rushing is another thing here. We got to talk about 165 yards on the entire season is their leading rusher with Carter, who's been good when he gets you know to the goal line. He he scores, which is nice. It's nice to see you know when you're within the two and the one, he'll get in the end zone. But that's about it. They don't do much else uh, with the running game, and that's not helping Zach Wilson either. Listen, I mean, it all goes part and parcel to keeping these drives going, which they're just not doing, Jake. And, uh, you know, when you get some sustained drives going, that's when you can get some, you know, some some rushes going and, and get and get a running back into a rhythm. But, you know, right so far, LaFleur's offense just has not shown a lot of rhythm. You know, it's been only successful when they've been in scramble mode for a, a lot of the part. I mean, I... I didn't cover the Titans game. I was doing the Giants uh, Saints game down in New Orleans last week, but so I don't. I can't really speak to that. And you know that was a closer game, obviously. You know, but four out of these five games, the Jets have been you know scuffling from behind the whole time, and and you know because of these slow starts. So it looks like you know, I mean, Carter's got some burst, and and uh, you know, it, it looks like they've got some guys that can carry the load and, and be quality enough runners in this in in this on this offense for the way they run this offense. They don't need a bell cow in this in this form out of offense that you know this kind of Kyle Shanahan thing so it's I think it's a matter of getting sustained drives going because when they are running they're running fairly effectively two things stand out to me their longest run of the year is 17 yards right so they're not today was nine they're not breaking like any long runs which you know I, I think that's hurting them and then all we heard about all offseason is the Shanahan system, like Can said, and how everything's off the run. Everything's built off the run. Play action, you know, all the passing game comes off the run. Like, they, they've got to figure out how to get it going. And Can's right. They need to sustain drives, but they need to run the ball and get that going, to, like, to sustain some drives. And I'm not sure if they should be rotating more right now. You know, they're using a lot of Carter. They're using Ty Johnson on third down. Uh, Coleman, not as much. Uh, Michael Pirine is in, you know, mothballs. We talk about Denzel Mims all the time. Michael Pirine hasn't been active for one game. Fourth round pick, a little different than the second round pick, but maybe they should try him or something. I just, this offense is not going to work if they can't run the ball. And again, they had 52 plays today, and Atlanta had 75. Like the, it's like I said before, it's a miracle that they won last week against Tennessee when the Tennessee had 33 more plays than they did. Today, 23 more plays for. Atlanta it's like it's just not a way to win win football games. Yeah, it's interesting cause because I mean really you know I don't want to take away from last week's win but you know you just mentioned it the I mean the defense is on the field 100 plays. Yeah. And you know so that that win you can almost look at as a bit of a mirage. You know credit to them for making the plays and Zach making a couple of you know listen they tried some of those long plays down the field that worked last week today that, that worked yeah. last week they tried today and they didn't work you know. So it all looked great when Zach's you know like pointing <laughs> pointing for his guy, you know, for, for Corey Davis to get down the field or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you can almost look at that win as a little bit of a mirage last week. Obviously they got lucky because there was a missed field goal too. Yeah. You know, very makeable. Well, I said to Jake, I said to Jake before, Ken, I think people got a little too giddy off of that game. Yeah. You know, it was I a did. win. It was a win and everyone's like, oh my gosh, they've turned the corner. And then you, when you actually looked at it, you're like, how the heck did they win this game? Like Derek Henry ran, Henry ran all over them. And they had 33 more plays, and the, t- the Titans didn't even turn the ball over. It- it's a mystifying game. I think the giddiness to some degree was they actually scored a couple of points on offense. I mean, what they have 16 yes. points going into the game, so yeah. they were actually competitive. So yeah. I think that was yeah. And the th- and the throws from Zach, I get those throws are very exciting, but like you and I both know, you can't live off of those no. kinds of throws. Those you, are not going to be there every week. Said it best. 
it, these guys, this entire offense is predicated off the run game. And and, they, and the Jets have told us that. Salas told us that. Obviously, LaFleur has told us that. We've seen that system in San Francisco. It's not an offense designed to have the quarterback, you know, slinging it 36 times back there, and especially a guy as raw and, and, and as inexperienced as Zach is. So at the end of the day, these lack of sustained drives are killing him mostly because they can't get the, the run is not setting up the pass enough. Yep. He's also got to run himself, I think, too. I and mean, we talk about this every show. He had a third and two today with the whole left side of the field open, and he threw the ball and didn't run it. I mean, wouldn't you like to see some kind of RPO or or see him use his leg more than just improvising, but to run one for time, yard, positive the, yards? How about the one time he ran and put his head down, though, Jake? Like, I, I yeah. thought when he did that, I'm like, they're never going to let him run. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, I thought that DB took it easy on him there, too, by the way. I thought he could have blown him up on that play, and he didn't. He just kind of stuffed them and put them down, you know, yeah. but you're right. I Listen, look at who's, I mean, I'm sure you and cause have discussed this ad nauseum and, you know, in, in previous podcasts, but you know, the guy that's, that's holding the headset or the clipboard behind Zach is in, in he's less experienced than Zach is. So the jets have left himself a little bit of a lurch here. You can't go, you know, too crazy with a lot of running with this guy. I get, I get it. You can't play scared, but you can't get too crazy with that stuff because you know, your season, this whole season is, Based on developing Zach Wilson, if he blows himself up on a RPO run and he's out for ten weeks, then the season's really a lost a lost year. Can we talk about one play that drove me absolutely mad, Jake? The roughing the passer call on Quincy Williams yeah. early in the game. Now, I'm not saying it would have changed the game, but it's the first third down of the game. I mean, what's the guy supposed to do? What is he supposed to do there? Like he's a 225 pound man running as fast as he can to tackle someone, and then like. Well, you're not supposed to land on him. Oh, like explain that to me. How you're Where supposed does he to land? That. Those, those <laughs> are irresponsible calls. And you know what? Oh. If that, and if that's a if that's a play in a close game in the fourth quarter, guys, that's yeah. a game changing play. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, and I kept him on the field. As, as Kaz said, that's that wasn't going to change the outcome of today's game no. because the Jets were just dominated. But those plays to me are maddening because those are plays where an official can completely change, depending on when it's called, can completely change the outcome of the game. Completely. And like we've all watched a lot of football, right? You've like we we do this for a living. We've watched a lot of football. The fans at home, most of them have watched a lot of football. I'm assuming the officials have watched a lot of football. I know what roughing the passer looks like when I see it. And I've accepted now that when you hit someone with their helmet, you're going to get it. When you hit them below the knees, you're going to get it. I kind of understand the rationale. I definitely understand the rationale about the head. The knees, I know I kind of get that. This idea that you can't land on the quarterback, though, I won't accept it. Like, that is not football. That is not what I've watched my whole life. Like, you, you can't do it. You can't, like, oh, you're supposed to roll off of them. Good luck when you're that big. I'm skittish about, uh, you know, how slow, you know, how much the the replay system slows this football, you know, football games down right now. But if once we're now that we're in the replay world and replay age, I do believe that those kinds of plays, I don't know how you can differentiate them. I'm not saying pass interference stuff, but I think stuff like that really does need to be reviewable, in my opinion, because that those are game. Those are those are game changing result ter- turning plays. Again, not today's particular play, but those plays yeah, happen all the general. time in a yeah. fourth quarter, and you know it changes the outcome. And I mean, you know, people's livelihoods are, are affected by that. Guys, Nathan Shepard though has got to be off the field. I mean, <laughs> this guy, how many more penalties is he going to commit? I mean, at what point do you just pull him when he's when he's so undisciplined? Yeah, and it's all different types of penalties he's had. He's had them all across the board. Um, yeah, I, I again, that's down the list of things with the Jets. But you're right, Jake. I, he, he, you got to pull him, and I, I'd be curious to look at what his snaps were in this game if they they cut 
shut them down a little bit because he's uh, he killed them with a few of those penalties in the last two weeks. And John uh, Franklin Myers will close with this, gets a contract extension if you want to both just uh, – it seems like it's well-deserved, but uh, it was good to see that earlier this week. Well, I, I, I'll i just jump in quick because, Kaz, you'll have more you know to say about this. But uh, one thing I didn't like to see about John Franklin Myers was was covering the Covers- uh, dynamic player on the on the field for Atlanta. They paid him, Ken. They paid him. They paid him. <laughs> you know, you got to be I a mean, quarterback now. I, I million. I, maybe they thought that extra money gives them added superpowers or something. I don't know, but uh, – <laughs> But listen, and then Huff, and then Bryce Huff's covered the other tight end. I know. I mean, it was just yeah. hey, listen. As I said in my column for tomorrow's post, it was a you know the Jets coaches picked a bad day to have a bad day. Listen, that's a great you know that's one of the handful of good pickups for Joe Douglas. And you know, was it a little bit of a reactionary thing for having all the you know what through a three and a half sacks in the first four games or whatever the number was? You know, perhaps. But you know, if that guy goes on and has ten or twelve sacks, he's probably you know he's going to cost him twice that at the end of the year, or, or they might lose him. And uh, so I thought, why not? I'm an advocate of the Jets keeping their good young talent because they frankly, you know, get rid of too much of their good young talent, you know, over the last however many years I can count, which is too many. So I thought it was a good pick, a good a good deal. He had a good year last year. He showed he was coming last year. Like he showed he was up and coming. And then they actually started negotiating in mid-August when the Jets were in Green Bay was when they opened talks. And so I think the Jets were sweating the three sacks. <laughs> I think it's a weird thing. I think they're happy he's getting sacks. But then the business side of it, they're like, oh, man, the price is going up here every time he gets a sack. But, you know, very cool moment on Friday. I'm sure you guys have seen the video of him crying. Just call me Oprah from now on because I asked the question that made John Franklin Myers cry. I think I have a future as, you know, one of these Oprah, Barbara Walters type celebrity interviewers and bringing out emotion from people. But yeah, it was cool. Franklin Myers talking about his son was like, it was hard not to get choked up sitting there, watch the guy like that. And then the British media applauded him at the end, <laughs> which was awesome. Like, it was just an awesome, awesome moment. I've been in a, I, I, covering a lot of golf over there. I, I've been in a lot of press conferences where it's a very awkward because the media will, <laughs> will, will clap after a press conference is over. And I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of shrinking in my seat, making sure everybody knows I'm on my hands, you know, not, not clapping. But the one thing I love about Franklin Myers, which I know cause does too, is whenever you speak to this guy, he's got a, he's got a smile on his face and, uh, he appreciates where he is and what he does. And uh, that show of emotion, you know, on Friday was genuine. And it's it's enjoyable to cover guys like that. And a lot of the guys, Jake, in the NFL, not, you know, not saying they don't work hard, but a lot of these guys were the best player in their high school. And they went to some great, you know, great parochial school that that wins national championships every year. Then they go to some huge college and they're the best player in college. Franklin Myers didn't win a game in high school. His high school lost every single game they played. Then he went to Stephen F. Austin, which isn't quite Alabama or Ohio State. So, you know, fourth-round pick by the Rams, has a sack of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and the Rams cut him the next year, and he has a foot injury. And I think they, I think the Rams, what the Jets think was the Rams were trying to stash him, cut him, stick him on the practice squad, or, sorry, you know, do something where, where they, you know, they would, they'd bring him back when he was healthy, and the Jets went in and grabbed him, and it, it's been a good pickup for them. I think I got to end the show there because we had Kaz and Oprah in the same sentence. So I think uh, that's, well, that's, that's never happened thing. before. <laughs> never thought I'd see the day. You get a car. You get a car. Kaz. We make about the Oprah. same amount of money, right? Right. <laughs> Thank good Lord. During my Man, Hawaiian are- vacation, Jake, I saw Oprah's Maui uh, ranch. It's like 70 acres or something insane like that. I look, it's, you know, 
So I don't think we're going to be neighbors anytime soon. Cause when your net worth is two point six billion, you could own all of Hawaii. I'm pretty sure at that rate. So Mark Canizero, follow him on Twitter at nypost underscore Canizero. Read his stories in the post nypost.com and Post Sports Plus free thirty day trial now. Can good having you on. Good talking to you guys. Safe trip back, Cause. That'll say goodnight to episode 77, the Chris Jenkins edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Brian Mugia for helping me out in producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you get podcasts. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. It's a bye week for us and for the Jets. So we'll see you next Thursday as we preview their matchup with the Patriots. Enjoy the bye week, folks. Thanks for listening.